Well, this is Trinity Sunday. And one of the things that we're supposed to remember on Trinity Sunday is that our God is a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, you know, this passage, I think, uh, when we really look at it, it kind of brings that out. Because as we're looking at uh, John in the uh, 16th verse, we see Jesus, the Son of God, speaking to his disciples. And he is promising that if he goes away, he will send the Helper. He will send the Holy Spirit. And he says it's to their advantage that he goes away. In fact, he says it's expedient that he goes away. It's very advantageous and beneficial for you if you let me go. Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. And I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And there's another place where he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will love you and the Father will love you, and we will come and make our abode with you. And the way that the Father and the Son make their abode with us is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all pre-existent before the world was ever made. All three persons of the Trinity were involved in all of creation. It says uh, in the beginning of the Gospel of John that nothing was made apart from Jesus. And it says in Genesis that when God, sp he spake the worlds into existence, but then it says that the Spirit was hovering over the waters in the chaos. And so all three persons of the Trinity were involved in creation. And uh, there's one, one, one passage in scripture I really like where Jesus is baptized and Jesus is coming up out of the water, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is descending upon him and at the same time, the Father speaks from heaven. And so there we see all persons of the Holy Spirit working together. Now, it's hard for us to understand how they can be one, but they are. And uh, in fact, uh, Jesus, whenever he prayed in his uh uh in his high priestly prayer at the at the end of John, he prays that we talking about his disciples, may all be one, just as Father, you and I are one. I in you and you in me, so they may all be one. And so uh, there's Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. There is a, uh, a, a hierarchy. Uh, some people want to make them, they're, they're the same, they're equal, but there's, as far as who answers to who, we see something in Scripture because 
we see first of all that whenever Jesus was here, he says, I do nothing except what I see the Father is doing. And he prayed to his holy, to, the, to his heavenly Father. And remember in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so we see that God the Father is the one that we're all looking to. But we can't be connected to him except through God, Jesus Christ. And that's God incarnate in him. And then we are connected to both of them through his Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit uh, comes uh, at the point of justification and sanctification. Now, he begins working in our lives long before that. In the Methodist Church, uh, we have John Wesley pretty well defined three different types of grace. Just as there are three per persons uh, in the Godhead, there are three kinds of grace. They're all grace. They're all God's grace, but it's distinctive as to what different each uh, type of grace is. First of all, there is prevenient grace. Pre means before. Veni comes from the word venere, venere, the Latin word that means to come. So before he comes fully into your life, he begins working in your life, preparing you to be uh, the real you. And uh, uh, he, he, before you, he, he draws you. One of the uh, part, one of the things of the Holy Spirit in prevenient grace, he woos you. He tries to get your attention. It's just like, oh, let's see here. Who's a, let's see, who should I pick on? Uh, Toby. Okay. Yeah, we'll pick on Toby. I, I, I'm sorry, Toby. You just don't look, you just look like somebody needs to be picked on. I don't absolutely. Anyway, say Toby sees this girl. And he is smitten with this girl. And I know you probably have a girlfriend. If she hears this on the, on Facebook or anything, she's probably going to get upset or something. But let's just, this is all hypothetical. Okay. Anyway, he sees this girl. He is smitten with her. What's the first thing a guy does whenever he's smitten with a girl? He starts trying to get her attention, doesn't he? Somehow he's going to try to get her attention and let him, let them know that he's there and that he'd like to know them better. Well, you see, that's the way the Lord does. And I'll let you off the hook now, Toby. I'm not going to go any further. Okay. <laughs> but the, this is, this is the way the Lord is because you see, the Lord loves you. He loves you so deeply and he wants to get your attention. And so he tries every way he can to get your attention. He'll tap you on the shoulder He'll bless you. He'll do good things for you. He'll grab you by the shoulders and shake you. He will try to get your attention in whatever way he can. And then once he's got your attention, what's the next thing a guy does? He woos the girl. 
He tries to make sure that they understand how precious they are to him. And so that's the next thing. That's the part of prevenient grace. He'll start letting you know how much he loves you and he'll start blessing you uh, uh, with his presence many times just to get your attention, you know, to, to let you know. And then the relationship will grow until you get to the point to where the next type of grace comes in. And that is justifying grace. Justifying grace is whenever you come to the point to where you realize you need God. You realize, in fact, in our scripture, he says that one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict the world of those things. And once He quickens our hearts to where we can start to see him. And we can't see these things without the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So part of prevenient grace is bringing us to that place to where all of a sudden we realize we have sinned. And the word convict also means convince. There's so many people in the world today that aren't convinced that sin is even important. But whenever the Holy Spirit does his work, He convinces us, yes, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we shouldn't be able to even stand in his presence. He convicts us of sin and he lets us know that we are not righteous. We are not in a right relationship with God. And he lets us know and he makes real that there is judgment and that we all face judgment apart from him. So he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And whenever he brings us to that point, and we come to that place of hopelessness and helplessness, and we realize that what we cannot do, God is wanting to do. He wants to make us righteous, not by making us shape up, but through his own son, he died on the cross. Justifying grace is when we realize that what we cannot do for ourselves, he has already done. And he just, and he he did it so, he sacrificed so deeply because he loves us so much. And in response to that wonderful love, we say, I want to be yours. And then justifying grace becomes like a marriage. You know, the, 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 you woo the, the guy woos the gal and then he gets her attention. And then ultimately he invites her to make a lifelong commitment. And then when she says yes, they go to the altar and they make a commitment. And you see, uh, sanctif- or justifying grace is like that moment in marriage. Looks like where two people give themselves officially to each other. In justifying grace, you give yourself officially to him. 
In wedding ceremonies, signified by a ring. In justifying grace, it's signified by baptism. So uh, anyway, you, but there's, a, there's this giving, this exchanging of vows, if you would. I am yours and you are mine. I will, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so there's that exchange that takes place. And all of a sudden, the two become one. And the Holy Spirit fills us when we yield ourselves to him and give ourselves to him. He comes in and he fills us. And we talked about this last week. And then whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins his work that we're looking at today as a helper. He begins to help us to be his. We're not in this alone. It's not us trying to be good enough for God. He's made us good enough. So we have become, we're justified and then he sanctifies us. He takes us while we are unlovable and unlovely and he loves us warts and all. And then he loves us through the years into his beautiful bride. But you know, just like at the altar, whenever the husband and wife are married and they leave, they don't go back to their separate homes, do they? No, they set up housekeeping together, don't they? And so that's what's supposed to happen from that point on. And you live in sanctifying grace where you give as much of yourself as you know to as much of God as you understand. And as you do that, you grow in grace and you will spend the rest of your life growing in grace. I'm sure I've already shared this. uh, I know I've shared this with you before, but some of you weren't here. It's the best example I've ever seen of this as far as sanctifying grace, where the missionary ran across the old African goldsmith and the goldsmith was uh, underneath a banyan tree or some sort of a, of a tree there in Africa. He had a charcoal fire. He had a cauldron and a bellows. And he was, uh, he was, uh, he had this molten stuff in this, uh, in this cauldron and the guy goes up, the missionary went up and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm purifying this gold. And he would uh, pump the bellows and dross would rise to the top of the gold and the molten gold. And he would take a ladle and he would skim the dross off the top and cast it aside. Then he would pump the ladle some more, pump the, the bellows some more. More dross would rise and he would skim it off. The missionary looked around. He saw no essay equipment or anything around. He said, now, how are you going to know when this gold is pure? And the old African goldsmith, as he pumped the bellows and then skimmed off some more dross, said, when I can see my image clearly in it. That's what he does with us. That's what he does with us. And through the presence of his Holy Spirit, he does his work and we move on with him, becoming more and more 
that person that is the child of God that he's given us the right to be through our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, he's called the helper. As I thought about that this morning, I, uh, I, I remembered a, a, so just a little quote that I heard one time about uh, how a good friend, when you're in jail, he'll come bail you, bail you out. Your best friend will be sitting there beside you saying, dang, man, wasn't that fun? <laughs> well, you know what? One of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of presence, being there with you. He said, it's expedient that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to be with you. He will be in you. And he says, through him, I will be with you because he will take of mine. He will be a connection to me and to the Father. We will be with you. The ministry of presence is one of the most important things. And this is one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does because you see, when we receive him, all of a sudden, he is with us. And this is just it. Just like that best friend sitting there in the jail cell with you, the Holy Spirit goes with you everywhere you go. I don't know if you've thought about this. You live in his presence. And it's not like, yes, you're living in the presence of of, of, of him like he's way off there and you're here. He is right with you everywhere you go. Everything you do, he is right there with you. When you stop and think, whenever you know his presence is with you and you sense his presence with you, that in and of itself begins to transform you. You remember the song, be careful little eyes what you see for your father up above is looking down in love. Well, you know what? He's not just the father up above is not just looking down in love. He's right there with you and he's seeing everything that you're looking at. Be careful little mouth what you say. He doesn't hear from afar. He is right with you when you say those cutting words to somebody. You're saying them in the very presence of the Lord. Knowing his presence is with you makes you watch your mouth. I grew up working at my dad's service station. At home, I was taught, you don't cuss. You don't say a bad word. At the service station, people couldn't understand you. Your fellow coworkers couldn't understand you unless you cussed. That's just, that was their language. So I learned to speak two languages. Uh, I learned to speak cussing ease at work and then not cuss at home. I also learned that you don't cuss in the presence of ladies or children. 
sad to say that has all gone by the wayside now, but it shouldn't have. But anyway, whenever I came to know the Lord, even though I didn't cuss around people that were really special to me, I still thought in that language and my thoughts had to be cleaned up. My mouth had to be cleaned up. You see, because who's going to curse in the presence of the Lord? Who's going to look at pornography with Jesus looking over your shoulder? You see, he's right with you and you take him wherever you go. He goes with you into every bar, into every particular place that you go. He is with you. Eyes, mouth, feet. Be careful. Not because he's up above looking down with love, but because you are carrying the Holy One of God into desecrating places. As you desecrate yourself, you desecrate him. Well, it grieves him. And that's why we've talked about if he is guiding you and he will be tapping you on the shoulder and through his very presence saying, you shouldn't be in places like this. You shouldn't say things like that. And if you acknowledge him and say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. And stop doing those things. You grow closer together. But if you just say, well, you love me anyway, so let's have fun. You know, if you do that after a while, he's just going to back off. He's going to back off and back off. And the more you pay no attention to him, the more it will grieve him and the more he will pull away from you. Because he doesn't want to be in those places that you're going. He doesn't want to be in the, and his holiness doesn't like the presence of those thoughts. He wants to be welcome in your life. And by continuing to sully him and insulting him, you're saying, I don't really want you. So during this next week, I want to encourage you that if you have been one of those that's been, that maybe you might talk to the last week about being close to God and then now then you feel like you're so far away, tell him you're sorry that you grieved his Holy Spirit. Invite him back into your life and into your heart. And then as you walk around, as you do those things, Know he is right there with you. It says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's who the Lord wants to be to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.